This is Frank Goss with Vintage Broadcasting. Thank you for joining us as we consider the history and the situation of public education in the United States of America today. Our series is entitled, John Dewey's Dumbing Down of the American Mind. Have you ever heard this statement? A government is like everything else. To preserve it, you must love it. This quote was copied down by Thomas Jefferson when he was quite young. He was reading this in the writings of the great political philosopher Charles Louis de Secondin, Baron de la Brede et de Montesquieu. And he copied it into his commonplace book, the private journal he kept as a student for future inspiration. Today, it would be an amazing thing to find a young man with such an inquisitive mind. Montesquieu was referred to constantly by the Founding Fathers and was a key advocate for the separation of powers. He helped develop the executive, legislative, and judicial powers that we know in the United States. Thomas Jefferson's notation continued, Everything, therefore, depends on the establishing of this love in a republic, and to inspire it ought to be the principal business of education. This was written long before Robert Owen had a voice, or the influence of Horace Mann was felt, or the social restructuring of John Dewey was allowed. These three men were egotistical men who, together, promoted a collectivist agenda that was not based on the betterment of a nation as a whole, that was not based on we the people leading and directing, but on their personal visions and desires for a collectivist society. Their ideas were and are antithetical to constitutional liberty. If possible, Thomas Jefferson would line these men up and address them regarding their performance as they discharge their responsibilities in education. I believe he would more than likely say, You had one job to do, just one, and you failed your people and your nation. Today we talk about college as being the height of life. It makes a person career ready. But going back to the 1780s, the argument in favor of having public public education at all had been first and foremost to develop a democratic citizen, one who understands. In his book, How to Educate an American, The Conservative Vision for Tomorrow Schools, Michael Petrelli and co-author Chester E. Finn, Jr. compiled various essays from 20 prominent conservative thinkers who, who surveyed the current state of American schools. The result is a passionate case for a return to Thomas Jefferson's values. After decades being spent chasing higher education and higher graduation rates and a glittering college enrollment number and top standardized test scores, we're trying to impress with numbers and data. But the fact is, little Johnny still can't read. These obsessions peaked with the Common Core standards, which Barack Obama's administration pushed onto the states through bribery, sparking furious backlash from many parents and teachers. Parents and teachers alike were finding that technocratic education reforms led to a vacuous mania for the mechanics of math and reading. We don't teach our young kids anything, Petrelli said. Teaching reading comprehension with no content is as boring as it sounds and as ineffective as it sounds as well. Common Core was the culmination of a long-term trend that enshrined math and reading instructions as the top priority of early education in elementary levels, leaving history and civic as an afterthought to be squeezed in uh, once the children were prepared to complete their test, if at all. Petrelli argues that teachers should take a page out of Lin-Manuel Miranda's book, Hamilton. It tells the full story, slavery as well as heroism. A few years after Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, and helped win the nation's freedom, he made a commitment to the words he had once penned in his little notebook. 
he launched a campaign to establish a free public education system, pillar of his plan to secure long-term health of America's young democracy. I suppose you've heard of UVA, the University of Virginia? For children aged 6 to 8, Jefferson explained, the study of American history would be a central focus of the school day. A strong early grounding in history would ensure that these future citizens would cherish and sustain the republic, not the democracy, but the republic the founders had won for them. History, by apprising them of the past, will enable them to judge for the future, he wrote. Then again, students in Jefferson's day didn't have to grapple with the nonsensical misrepresentations of our day, such as Nicole Hannah-Jones' 1619 Project. This tripe is nothing more than a work designed to create conflict and division and confusion by revising history to promote the idea of white supremacy. It's truly a controversial effort that does nothing for the intelligence but bring confusion and nothing for the society of our nation other than create a greater divide that is already being seen. Sadly, but not surprisingly, Nicole Hannah-Jones' work was launched and fully endorsed by the New York Times. It's nothing more than a wholesale reinterpretation of Americans' founding that damns the ideas laid out in Jefferson's Declaration of Independence. As a matter of fact, it refers to the Declaration as being false when it was written. The 1619 Project is a long-form journalistic effort developed by Nicole Hannah-Jones, and also along with writers from the New York Times and the New York Times Magazine. It aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of the United States' national narrative. It was launched in 2019 to commemorate the 400th anniversary of the arrival of the first enslaved Africans in colonial America. This presentation has been debunked by most scholars as horribly flawed and truly unworthy of any serious consideration. It's being forced into our public curriculum with the full backing of the Biden administration. It portrays our national history as racist to the core, rooted in slavery and white supremacy. In spite of its obvious errors and lies, our government has seen fit to allow this to be added to the history curriculum in over 3,500 high schools in the United States in spite of and against the recommendations of multiple highly respected scholars. This isn't being done accidentally. It's being done intentionally. When our lineage looks back upon the history of our nation, they will see that it turned at some point to become a history of the wealthy controlling and dominating the weak. They will see the lies and the perversion used in order to corrupt and control the middle and lower classes. These lies are being seen now, but will be seen with a great deal of clarity in years to come. My hope is that we can see them now and react accordingly. I still think the government by the people and for the people is a noble idea. I did not relish the idea of having to describe this to my grandchildren as a noble idea that once was, and to tell them how things used to be in America. These corrupt people, these elitists, and we've had a long history of them, are dictating our history, and they're commandeering the times. They're teaching our kids what to think and how to act or what to say. We're watching it, and we don't even realize it, or we don't even care. The grievous issue is that these things are being done in a blatant manner at a time when our republic is crumbling and our nation is being forcibly divided along racial lines and political parties. This kindling for the fire is an intentional effort to stoke the flames of division. This is the aim and the desire of the democratic socialists who are presently in full power controlling both houses of Congress and the White House. 
Our children, the hope of our future as a nation, is being indoctrinated with the ideology that I, being a white man by divine design, am systematically racist to the very core of my being. According to Derek Bell, one of Barack Obama's favorite thinkers, there is no escaping. I stand guilty with no remedy and no hope of a cure. If you are believing this, you're believing a lie. I am not a racist. I don't reject any notion of this as being remotely possible. I know me. In the 1619 Project, we see a perfect example of what has gone wrong in America when it comes to history, Petrelli said. And it isn't teaching history, warts and all. It just wants to show the warts. And it's propped up with nothing but twisted opinions and literary lies. Remember this, and don't forget it. A half-truth is a whole lie. It's the latest in a long line of critical revisions of American history that goes back even to Howard Zinn's Marxist presentation of American history, a people's history of the United States. Howard Zinn's book, which was published in 1980, aims to tell the United States history from the ground up. That is, American history stripped of its excellence and virtue. For 42 years, Howard Zinn has deeply injured our nation by warping our generations by twisting the understanding of what has been done and what has been accomplished. He has passed away now, but his lies endure, and his corruption continues. In many schools, you're, you're more likely to encounter the 1619 Project, or Howard Zinn's version of history, than in anything positive. We're selling our young people a lie. And we're telling them that America is racist and oppressive and has failed to do right by the most vulnerable. What is being obfuscated and buried is the fact that America was founded upon the ideal that all men were created equal. What is being painted over is that slavery had been long hated as an institution and that our leaders sought for years to end it. The 1619 Project and Hannah Nicole Jones tells us that we have not done enough, that we have so much more to do. Our racism and our systematic white supremacy is rampant. But what about the death of 1,500,000 men who fought for their freedom? The freedom of the slaves. Not for a country or the elevation of a cause, but for the liberty of a people. They fought to end slavery. Nicole Hannah-Jones snubs her nose and shakes her head. With her hair dyed red, she simply says, that's not enough. That was then. What about now? I've yet to hear or read anything from the Democrats regarding the 40 million plus people worldwide who are presently enslaved in other countries. This amplifies the fact that slavery is not the issue here, nor is racism. Power is the issue, and these people are being promoted from within by a certain and select group. Division and chaos are simply stepping stones in order to obtain and secure this power. No, as an American, I stand and salute the flag, and my neighbors and I still embrace the idea that we were founded on the principle that all men were created equal. Nicole and her band of brothers are making the issue extremely personal, and are far more than confrontational. But this is by design. They're seeking a conflict, and they're saying incendiary things in an extremely dry forest. These radical, democratic, liberal tongues and pens are set on fire from hell, and they have no apparent desire for peace. Look at society and pay attention. Homosexuality, transgenderism, divorce rates, all these things are spreading like gangrene in states where the Democrats are running the government. This is not the result of some cosmic genetic structure. No, it's by design. The promotion of such a design by the liberal Democrats is gaining ground. 
Given the pervasive influence of Howard Zinn and his successors, the education of most Americans under the age of 40 has been clouded by an extremely cynical perspective on our heritage. We have graduated decades of skeptics who cannot imagine that America is good, who cannot read or comprehend issues beyond an eighth grade level. They're moved by the brute force of raw emotions and limited understanding. Teachers are educating idiots and then inciting their emotions with such rhetoric. They are inciting a revolution of the Gramscian sort, the kind that Barack Obama longed for. We cannot lean back on diplomatic effort and say this perversion of moral decency and principle is coincidental. It's part of progress. No, no. This is done by design. It's not a heavenly design. Rather than building a stairway to heaven, these elitists have built and are building a slow falling ramp that leads into the abyss. Our government educators are marching to the drumbeat of the administration. They have an agenda. And this agenda is in direct opposition to parental control and authority. Why are they not required to sign a statement in support of the Constitution and the principles that are found within it? We allow these people to teach these perverted ideas that are literally against nature. And then we have to dig and conduct prolonged discovery efforts and have fights with the Board of Education to find out exactly what they're teaching our children. That is what is most troubling, that this is intentional. It's, it's really disturbing. And we can't help but ask, why? They play word games and retitle controversial programs in order to mollify the public. Yet we pay their salaries with our hard-earned tax dollars, and they look at us with condescension, as if they're looking on the uneducated masses. What are they producing, these experts? What are they producing? In 2022, little Johnny still cannot read. He's not prepared for the reality he'll be, he'll be confronted with as he leaves high school. He is, however, endowed with a hatred and a skepticism towards America and all of our institutions. He has a sense of being misled and that he is owed more. He's being taught to hate even the notion of a good God or an excellent nation or a benevolent people. In many of the United States, a single high school history class is the only civic instruction that future voters will ever receive. Eight states don't even make a study of American history a graduation requirement. Most American college students cannot tell you what the three branches of government are or where to find the Bill of Rights. Yeah, our public education is, is really a diamond, a jewel to be admired. Civic education requires a knowledge of history, writes Elliot Cohen, a professor at John Hopkins University, not only to comprehend our government and its laws, but also to develop an affectionate attachment to them. But these things are being left out. They're being omitted intentionally and ignored. One has to know that the architects of our nation did a remarkable job, he argues, and that they built a precious edifice like none other. Instead, students are being told that these men were shoddy, sorry, slave owners with nothing more than a white supremacist attitude and ideal that they were seeking to support. The nation they built were like walls around their own morality. Their morality is nothing more than an exalted elitist hypocrisy, a desire for supremacy, adulation, and money. In the end, it comes down to that, doesn't it? In the minds of most, there can be no real righteousness. There is no laws, there is no God, there is no goodness. And this is what our children are being taught. These are the things our students know when they leave school. And these are the attitudes that are being nurtured in the classrooms all across America by the radical Democrats, the Marxists of America. The earlier these concepts can be ingrained into the mind, 
the more entrenched these ideas will become. It was Aristotle who said, Give me a child until he is seven years old, and I will show you the man. The Biden administration has made preschool for three and up mandatory. Is that an effort to improve the child? If you believe this, I have some oceanfront property in Montana with beautiful sand that I would like to sell. Imagine what can be placed in the mind of any child who's sitting in a classroom for six to eight hours a day for 12 years. You begin with a clean slate and an anxious mind, and you have it for 12 years. Then, try to realize what it would take to convince that same child who has grown into an adult that he or she has been lied to for decades. Chaos, depression, disillusionment, despair, and a deep-seated anger. The foundations of society, the pillars of culture, begin to crumble. Who wants to believe a lie? How do you respond to such an incredible betrayal of trust? We're telling our own young people that America is racist. Genuine, active citizenship is driven by a sense of civic purpose, Damon writes. The key motivational component is a positive attachment to one's society, not a view that it's horrible and corrupt and rotten to the core. This was what the ancient Greeks referred to as patriotism. Even though patriotism is one of the most politically incorrect words in education today, this sense of attachment and identification is the only thing that makes democratic participation meaningful. To acquire civic purpose, students need to care about their country, he writes. Schools should begin with the positive to cultivate that motivating spirit. But they're not doing that. They're doing the exact opposite. To do so, teachers need to uphold our country's heroes and heroines as worthy models, rather than focus myopically on their failings and foibles. They need to point to our founding principles, rather than strip them of all power and logic. Now, take the logical path in considering to where this sort of teaching will lead. If our heroes are hypocrites, and we've been fed nothing but lies, would it not stand to reason that our major institutions have been built on lies as well? So, as we start out in the world, we begin to see fairly and logically through the clouded eyes that we have been given that our national institutions, such as family, the church, and the state, are all corrupt. Where do we end up? Sitting in a park somewhere reading Nietzsche and Camus and embracing Dante's Inferno as the nihilistic ideas fill our minds. If there is no God, there can be no reason, no purpose. We can conclude that life is nothing more than an absurd period of vanity. And then, as luck would have it, we die. But the government has to agree. They fund and promote these teachings and these ideas, and they're forcing them into the mind of your child. They're teaching this great confusion to our youth, and throughout our culture, it's taking hold. They're pushing emotional, social learning and common core. They ruled God out of the classroom years ago, and they're introducing critical race theory in its stead, all the while denying that they're doing anything of the sort. My friend, we're running in the wrong direction. We're surrounded by these lies, and our leaders are insisting that we reject the truth. In the end, I believe we will see, and hopefully we will understand, with assurance that the only truth that will set you free is found somewhere else. Jesus Christ stood boldly before the world and declared that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I believe it, and I hope you do too. But with his declaration, he was chased and pursued and eventually crucified, nailed to a cross 
Not so long ago, public schools were expected to serve as a source of solidarity within our culture. It was considered a major force in the formation of our national spirit. Growing up in a multiracial, multi-ethnic environment, American students already share fewer commonalities than those with a more homogeneous nation. This is what Kay Hemwitz points out in another essay within Petrelli's book. A cohesive sense of natural unity in such a culture requires constant attention to the details, a dogged repetition of the fundamentals, and a realization that we are teaching not a sect of society, but we're teaching a nation, not subcultures. Each man is not a nation unto himself, but today we're teaching that, and so offenses abound. We, the people, were red, yellow, black, and white. We make up America, and we, the people, come from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Our children are not being taught unity and cohesion. They're being taught to look back to their tongue, tribe, and nation and live as such. They're being taught division and distrust. We did not come to America in order to bring the chains of communism and the attitudes of the dictators that we left behind. We came, escaping bondage and repression, to live as Americans in a nation that provides freedom and liberty for all. We came in search of hope. Educators have all but abandoned the mission of creating e pluris unum, of instilling a sense of common history and culture, Himowitz writes, in favor of a devotion to diversity that seems to be pulling us apart more than ever before. Our educational leaders are instructing our children to abandon the idea of hope and fall into line, become part of the collective. Why? Because together, we can achieve more. As a nation, we have surrendered ourselves to an elite group of wealthy robber barons who hate America as she was founded. They've been seeking to change her and form her into their image for well over a century. They have been promoting everything that is ugly and vulgar, distorting our history. And today, they're exalting perversions in order to sicken us and bring us to the place of disgust with our nation. The Democrats are tearing down statues of valiant men who stood for principle, and they're offering us nothing but division and confusion. Why? Well, there's a method to their madness. It's not with your improvement in mind. Nancy Pelosi paid homage to the drag queens that are seriously seeking to pervert the minds of your children in a direct manner. She assured them that it was an honor for her to be found among them and assured them that their expression was what America is all about. What a disgrace to the world. What a disgrace upon our nation. Should I ask, is Nancy Pelosi actually a drag queen? That would explain a lot, but seriously, stop and consider what this lady has done. She is third in line from the most powerful seat in the world. We need to approach God and pray for mercy. There is a more constructive story to tell, but we have to know it for ourselves to be true. Once this knowledge and understanding is gained, we'll begin to appreciate the men who built America, and we'll start to understand their goals and want to participate. We'll begin to rediscover the idea we call America. We'll also discover and reject the perverse and demented men and women that are masquerading as upstanding citizens, men and women who hate America and loathe those whom they deem to be lower-class deplorables. This will be resisted, I know, and these efforts will be ridiculed and mocked by the ascendant powers that be. Truth is hated by those who preach lies. 
Academia despises being confronted by facts that contradict their nonsensical ideas. Matt Walt recently released a documentary in which he asked tenured professors at the University of Tennessee if they could tell him what a woman was. One professor failed to do so and was terribly upset with the questions he was confronted with. He wanted to cancel the interview. Today we have a Supreme Court justice who, before the nation, admitted that she could not define what a woman was. This is absolutely shameful. It's disgusting. And it gives you and me a clear example of where the intelligentsia is seeking to lead us. It shows us where our leadership is directing us. This lady is now sitting as one of the most powerful judges in the world, and that should shake us to the core. Awake, my friend. Awake. Listen. Pay attention. Whoever controls the dialogue, whoever controls the narrative, holds the power. And they can shift the paradigm of a nation. And they can change the minds of many. Today, there are some evil men directing this nation. Godless men who support and encourage evil actions of men. Today, they hold the power over the nation. Today, this is true. But there will be one day. A day when God speaks. And that day, we'll all know who truly holds the power. Our series is entitled, John Dewey's Dumbing Down of the American Mind. This production has been written, researched, produced, and edited by Vintage Broadcasting. We're working to provide you, our listener, with factual information that will provide a historical understanding of events that have brought us to where we find ourselves today. We hope this series is beneficial and helps you in your discernment, awareness, and appreciation of specific details, and that it serves to stimulate your thinking regarding the critical days which we are confronting. We would like to recommend an additional series entitled Global Marxism from the Top Down that considers the political history that has served to give structure and meaning to the days in which we live. These series can be found on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever popular broadcasts are provided. We thank you for your time and consideration and would ask that you invite a friend to listen to our series. You are well appreciated.